You're listening to Faithful Adaptation, an audio series produced by Luther Seminary's Faith Lead, a connection hub for current and emerging faith leaders curious about big ideas and breakthrough practices for ministry. Episode 5 features digital community and outreach with Mark Brandt, Lutheran Church of Hope. So welcome, everyone. My name is Dan Bielenberg. I'm uh, working with the Faith Lead team. Uh, I'm an intern, MDiv student, and this has been uh, quite the adventure. Uh, We're fortunate today to have Mark Brandt, who's, uh, I'll let Mark introduce his title, but he's, uh, he's at Hope. Lutheran in Des Moines, and uh, has uh, a lot of experience with digital community and outreach. I think that's his day job. And so he's going to be sharing wisdom for us and ideas with us as part of our listening and part of our sharing. Mark, maybe you can kind of begin by um, what, what is your role and what's your perspective on community and outreach using these digital tools that we have at our disposal? Absolutely. First of all, thank you for letting me join you in this time. And thanks for what you're doing. I mean, the church is obviously in desperate need of leadership these days, you know, of people that are feeling called and actually want to go out and to do the work that God has set before us. So thank you for all of your, you know, studies and the diligence you're putting into becoming the faithful servant. So I've been doing digital ministry now for about six years, but before that I did student ministry for the longest time uh, until I finally figured out that I had stopped being cool around age 25. And uh, nobody bothered to tell me until I was around 40, so that's okay, I suppose. But uh, Hope has been broadcasting for around seven or eight years. And I just became fascinated with this idea of what does that mean? I mean, we, we had a camera, we could put it out on the web, but it was basically just Netflix to the world. You know, So let's just throw this out there. And I don't even know if we were keeping track of how many people were watching when this thing first started. And I wasn't a part of it then. Uh, but when I came into the digital sphere at Hope, I was wondering, okay, who are these people that are watching? And for me personally, I wasn't okay with them being unknown or not knowing us. And so I, it was an Ash Wednesday many, many moons ago that I just kind of joked with our IT team. I said, hey, let's put a camera up in the, the area up above our worship center, a webcam, and I just want to say hi to people for our broadcast today. And we didn't have a reason to say no, so we did it. Uh, And so the camera went on and I found out very quickly how very talented and gifted our news media folks are. (laughs) Because it's not easy when that light went on, but I wanted to say hi to folks because I wanted them to have a connection. If we were gonna be present in the digital sphere, I wanted them to have a connection, not just to us as a church, but to somebody. So that if they were struggling with something or if they had questions or concerns or need a prayer, there was a face and a name that they could reach out to and to feel like there was somebody there that, that was listening to them. And so that was, you know, like I said, about five years ago. Uh, fast forward a bit, you know, now we're broadcasting everybody. It's, it's, I kind of joked before everybody joined that before, you know, this was, you know, I had a playground and an online ministry and, you know, a few people hung out there, but not very many. Well, now we've all been forced kind of whether we want to believe so or not into online community. And I think it's caused us all to ask really, really honest and great questions is how can this be authentic? Can we do discipleship? Uh, can people be ministered to in, in, in new ways through digital that maybe they couldn't before? 
Uh, and so I think in, in many respects, this new reality has exposed an awesome opportunity for us as the church to reach people in a way that they would not have been able to be reached before. I mean, I liken it to, if you think about the brick and mortars that have, that have online presences plus in-person presences. So I'll just take Target, for example. When I need something from Target, often I go online first to make sure that Target has what I need you know, before I go to the store even to begin shopping. I think a lot of people in church ministry now are looking for that same connection. They're going to check out our websites. They're going to check out our digital presence to see, you know, what does this church think, teach, believe? So that, you know, before I even walk in the door for the first time, I've had some sort of understanding of who they are uh, and whether or not I feel like this might be a community I can connect to. Uh, And the difference, though, when I first started doing this, a lot of folks thought, well, that's just for the folks that don't live anywhere near us. We did online for folks that can't actually physically drive to our building. And that's changed too. Now that is for the person that just moved into town, that's lived a quarter mile from us, that drove by, saw our sign and thought, hmm, I wonder who they are. Well, instead of coming in the door, they go online. And they might even watch online if you have an online presence before even walking the quarter mile to your building to come in the door for the first time. So we're in kind of a a new reality with digital outreach in ministry that I think is both parts fascinating and also I think daunting. And one of the things I want to kind of conclude before I open it up with, you know, a little bit of question time is this. I've got a cohort of folks that I talk with quite often in online ministry. And here's the shift that's happened over the course of the last 10 years of online ministry. Uh, at first, everybody in online ministry was uh, was trying to justify how awesome and radical and great that it was and saying that, you know, we want everybody to hang out here, you know, and so Life Church out of Oklahoma and Craig Rochelle starts their online only ministry. And it exposed, I think, a, a big, awesome dilemma. At first, if you're just 100% online, eventually people are going to long for that in person. You know, online is not the end-all, be-all. And so anybody that does what I do around the country will be, if they're honest with you, will say, the point of online is to lead somebody to an in-person experience. The point of online ministry is to eventually get them into face-to-face community. We, I believe, and I'll, I'll defend this till my, you know, to my last breath, that online can be authentic. You know, that you can have true relationship in this sort of a setting. But at the end of the day, face-to-face will always be a better expression of that. Because sitting around, breaking bread, hanging out with people face-to-face is a totally different and, uh, as one buddy put it, incarnational versus, you know, just, you know, transactional in in some respects. Uh, So I'll just kind of conclude by saying, first of all, uh, we are not experts in this process. I've learned a lot by making a lot of mistakes in what I do. So, and I talk, you know, I've, when I don't know what I'm doing, I reach out to people that are doing it. They've done it far longer than I have to ask them questions. But uh, my encouragement to you all is, you know, if you have questions or if this is your first kind of, you know, jump into this idea of online ministry and what that could look like, I would love to, to help you wonder about that a bit, especially with this idea of go. You know, we're, when Jesus said go, imagine that radical moment where 2,000 years ago, the internet wasn't a thing, obviously, but Jesus being God could envision a time such as this, where digital could be a way 
to reach people uh, in his name. So that's that's where I kind of wanted to, to land, you know, or kind of give a preface mm -hmm. to, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. So while people are thinking about your their questions, I've got I've got a few. I'm going to start off. Who do you think you're reaching digitally that you might not have reached just through conventional brick and mortar ministry? Great question. Uh, so I feel like they they fall into a, a variety of different categories. For us, I'll just speak about hope. Most of the folks that we reach that don't live near one of our campuses uh, have had some sort of connection to hope or have been recommended to check us out. I'm sure there are quite a few stumble upon type folks, but I think by and large, these are people that are looking for an online Lutheran presence or uh, have, they've been a hope member at some point and have moved away, have been transplanted. Uh, so that's one category of folks. In the past, I'd say a couple of three or four weeks, uh, we've seen a huge uptick in assisted living communities, places where people mm -hmm. physically can't travel anymore. Uh, a friend of mine uh, out in Plain, Virginia, uh, actually, they have a lot of mic what they call microsites in assisted living facilities for people that can't physically get to your space anymore. So I feel like there's an opportunity there to reach folks. But within, I'd say, a drivable radius of our buildings, it's for folks, you know, gosh, you know, you wake up and you're not feeling well. Uh, and you think, man, I could actually just watch church online today. Or you're introverted. And for us, being more of, of a large church setting, uh, that can be very overwhelming to somebody for whom a crowd presents significant issues. And so online becomes an outlet for somebody that is a little hesitant to step into a space like ours the first time. Or also uh, travel folks. Uh, we, tr we try and, you know, really stress to our families, hey, if you're traveling for a weekend, there's still a way you can worship with your Hope family. And you can do that online. And key mistakes. Oh, there's a great question. Key mistakes I've seen or learned that people should try to avoid. I think the key mistake that I kind of made early on was thinking that this couldn't be for somebody who lived close by. And so we would almost, uh, and shame is a wrong word for it, but we would, we would almost use that kind of mentality to say, hey, why are you watching online? You should be here. We can't determine for somebody what their reason is for why they chose not to show up on any given Sunday. In fact, I'll just give a great example. One of my best friends and her husband were uh, volunteers for a marching band competition that lasted until 1, 1.30 in the morning on a Saturday night. And they're regular attenders of our 915 service. And I didn't see them on Sunday morning when I was there for church. And I reached out and said, hey, where were you guys? Hey, oh, we watched online in our pajamas because we were up late doing marching band stuff. Now, that didn't mean they weren't going to show up the next week, but it was just interesting to me. There's a lot of reasons for why people may not come in at first. So I think we made the mistake of, of, of kind of shaming the people that lived close by at first, rather than celebrating the fact that they would still choose to worship online when they could have done anything else. And it's just being authentic when you reach out to them, too, I think is another great learning that they, they see the reality of you. I love to go on camera and and to, like I said, bring a face to them so that they see that, hey, you know, when they show up on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night, we could say hi, we could shake hands. Uh, it's a little harder for people to live in California unless they travel out, but, um, but yeah. Next question, what platform do we use? Uh, we're on all of them now. We have Facebook, uh, we're streaming live on, we use YouTube now. Uh, we use, uh, our main platform is hopeonline.tv. It's a streaming platform that we use through a company called High Vision. We've experimented with a few other things. But I feel like Facebook, YouTube, and our website are our three 
main vehicles for broadcasting on our stream. Well, a lot of congregations have embraced Zoom as a way to do yeah. kind of maybe more interactive, uh, you know, one of the benefits I'd say, but what, what's been your, what are your thoughts on that? Like using something that the interaction you get with the platforms you do have are using versus what people, what, how people are using Zoom? That's a great question. I think Zoom uh, works great when you have a number you can really live within. So if it's, you know, like a number like this, or and I'd say Zoom would be effective up to about maybe 100 or so. Any more than that, I feel like you can just, it gets a little bit too, too hard to manage. Um, one of the challenges that I'm really facing right now that I uh, have uh, really pressed our IT department on and just in thinking out loud with our leadership is with Facebook, you can, you can have community, people can chat. I like it because you have to, uh, log in as yourself, so you can't misrepresent things. It helps to weed out some of the the, the ill reputes, if you will, uh, that like to jump on streams and, and 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 be goofy. But I want that same experience eventually on our website as well, uh, because I want because that's where the the majority of our folks are landing. Almost you know the by far over sixty percent of our folks that watch on a weekend are watching on our HopeOnline.tv website, and there's no community interaction there yet. Mostly because that's just dollars, you know, to be able to build something that would allow for that. And when we get that done, here's my, if I, want to, if I can just say, the holy grail moment for us in online ministry. When we have people streaming on a weekend, you'll see an IP address that, you know, if you do your metrics, you'll see that, you know, 15, 30, 45, whatever IP address has checked in. But who is that person? You know, there's no way to know. And that's for a good reason. We don't, you know, we don't want to be all creepy and, you know, be able to tell people's data and things like that. Across the country, churches that are really heavily involved in streaming, everybody's race. This is our moon, if you will. We're racing for that digital connection point to a database at your church. So when somebody logs into your stream, uh, for example, Bill Withers, who's on our stream right now, he's a member of Hope. He's on our staff. When Bill joins uh, with Linda, his wife, to watch Hope, uh, it comes up, says, oh, hey, Mr. Withers, thanks for worshiping with us today. How many people are watching? Two, submit, boom. Now I know that that IP address is attached to Bill Withers, who worshiped this morning. It's the same as the pew books that we've, you know, maybe all had at one point in time in our lives, passed down the rows at, at church. It gives an, an accounting of who was there. And also, I think it, it builds some accountability amongst our online folks to say, hey, this, this worship matters. That's fascinating. Um, I, I know our parish, uh, and, and I think you know, most, most of our parishes are going to be, you know, within the realm of possibility for something like a Zoom. Um, yeah. But, so one of the things I've noticed, both with our Lent and our Sunday services over the last week, is our, our pastor loves to welcome people by name. Uh, you know, we'll gather 10, 15 minutes early, which would not have happened in a normal, uh, on a normal Sunday or a normal Lenten service. And yet we're saying, well, hi, you know. Hi, Ben. Hi, Mark. You know, hi, Trudy. And it's just face-to-face -face welcoming. Plus, after the fact, after the service is over, people hang around. And we've done, we did like a formal check-in last night after the Lenten services where we just did highs and lows. And there were 20 people who hung around, 20 families who hung around to do that. And it occurred to me that that's something that wouldn't have happened even if we had met face-to-face. I don't think we would have spent another 45 minutes all gathered around hearing what's going on in each other's lives, which is, I think it's, it's important to think about the benefits, what you can do with these platforms that you, that you wouldn't normally do. 
if you're just doing face-to-face. -face. Yeah, this becomes your narthex and your fellowship hall, all in yeah. one. You also get the name tag phenomenon where people that have struggled to match names with faces. Yeah. <laughs> that going on. Um, I think the challenge, Dan, if I can just extrapolate a bit beyond that, uh, right now in this season where we're not able to travel, Zoom is fantastic for streaming. You know, but when we go back into a routine, whenever that is down the road, Zoom may not necessarily from the pulpit be the best vehicle to stream with. And so at that point, I would encourage folks to look at a YouTube Live or a Facebook Live, which are both free. So Zoom is person to person. It's face to face. Facebook and YouTube is entity to body. And so in that sense, you can still broadcast to a large audience. You can still see who they are because their names would appear. And then, for example, if you're in a parish where you might be preaching, designate somebody else to be the person moderating that chat function on the side so that they can interact with the folks that are choosing to worship not in person that day, but rather online. Um, so those are uh, a couple of just thoughts beyond you know, Zoom. But Zoom is super great beyond just weekend. I mean, this is, you know, it's opening up a new way for people to do small groups. Right. Uh, I was just talking with a couple of my leaders from Iowa City last night. They, their life group has not been able to meet in person during this time, uh, but they've been meeting virtually. And they actually talked about when things go back into routine, they think that they still might once a month meet virtually because frankly, for their group, that saves 20 bucks in babysitting for a night. Yeah. Saving and babysitting. We, I joined our, um, so we recently moved a year ago, moved away from a town we had lived in for 25 years. And the small group we'd been in part of for over 10 years, the group met via Zoom on Saturday morning. And so, and there were a number of people like me. So it was almost like this reunion gathering of friends. And we did a Bible study, but it was also great to catch up. So it's really an opportunity. Let's see. A couple of questions oh, here. From, yeah. Uh, Bill, Bill would like you to speak a little bit about online giving, something that's going to be a challenge the longer this lasts. Can you address, say a few words about that? Yeah, so um, we, we've always kind of had a way that we've approached giving that's uh, very much, you know, hey, this is between you and, and the Lord, what you want to give. Uh, but like everybody right now, that's changed. 50% of our giving comes from the plate passing by them on a Sunday morning. And so we've just been a little more pointed than we have in the past online to say, hey, you know, we understand that right now is a tough season for you. But if you're able to give, here's a way that you can give. You can still mail your check in if you're used to, you know, it being you know, passed by the plate or you can drop it off. You know, if you have a mail slot or something at your building, you can drop it off when you're out and about doing some errands. We would love to still allow you to do that or uh, online giving there. There are a lot of ways that people can do that now that are not as cost prohibitive as they used to be. But just encouraging people, you know, as they're able to continue that process is, is one thing that we're really trying uh, as well. Next question was, only Zoom enables people to, yes, Bob, that is super important. There are a lot of rural communities and, and places where folks don't have smartphones even. And so they're not able to connect, you know, in a digital way. And so having the option on Zoom to be able to phone in is still super important. I think that's contextual. If that's what you discern in your area is something that is a need, then finding a way for those folks to connect as well. Oddly enough, so we've started taping our traditional service as well to have that available. On a regular weekend, you know, we have a, a 
far significantly less number of folks that join our traditional service, but still it's a good number of folks. But more folks are actually tuning into our taping of our traditional service now than have ever attended in person. And so if you have the ability to, you know, for folks that maybe can't dial in, if you could you know, tape that and have that available, you know, in a DVD or a flash drive format that you could share with folks as well. That's another way that people I've heard are getting uh, the word out into people's hands. Licensing, great question about music and permissions. Uh, CCLI licensing, there's two different licenses that we use. One is for music that many of you probably already have for your hymns and such. The second though is a streaming license, which essentially covers everything that you stream in real time from your building, including any, if you use movie clips or songs, uh, but it has to be in real time. Once you start to archive a folder or archive a file of service, that's when you can get into a little bit of a gray area of what's you know legal versus not legal. We just, um, and Facebook is really uh, persnickety about uh, copyrighted material. Um, we've, uh, we've run into it quite a few times in the, in the past few years. But as long as you have the CCLI streaming license, it gives you license when you have a worship service that's scheduled to stream everything, including the music. Thanks very much, Mark. Thanks for listening to Faithful Adaptation, an audio series from Luther Seminary. Stay up to date on our Faith Lead conversations and see upcoming guests in the series. Join the Faith Lead Learning Laboratory, the social network for Christian leaders to connect and share at faithlead.mn.co. Thanks for joining us.